I'm gonna trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. Good afternoon. Oh, it's still morning. It's still morning. It's not afternoon yet. It is Monday, February 12th. 2018, and welcome to week six, week six of our journey together in God's Word in 2018. This week's reading, uh, we're going to finish up the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel account of chapters 26 through 28, and then we'll begin Mark's Gospel account of chapters 1 through 2. I uh, hope you've been enjoying these Bible studies so far as we've gone through them thus far in, in uh, 2018. Uh, if you need to catch up on them, by all means, do so. Uh, you can always look back at the, the previous videos on our Facebook page. You can also go to our website, uh, loveland.church, right there, that you can go and you can check out uh, all of the previous episodes as well as some um, prior sermons as well. So the sermons that we've done um, around, these, around these readings over the past several weeks um, are on there. Last week, uh, we talked about, or yesterday rather, uh, we talked about um, we talked about Matthew chapter 21 and uh, Jesus' teaching about mountain-moving faith. Um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on the lesson, and I encourage you, uh, if you haven't heard it yet, again, you can watch that on our Facebook page, or you can go to our website and go to the sermon section uh, under media, and you can watch that uh, as well the replay of that. And of course, if you have any questions about anything that you hear in these Bible studies, of course, you can always leave uh, a comment down below, or you can contact us directly at info at loveland.church. If you want to just reach out to me directly, you can do that at minister at loveland.church, and we want to uh, be able to answer any questions that you have and get you, um, get you the truth. All right, so today, uh, again, we're getting into Matthew chapter 26. Now, up until this point, uh, we've had basically three years of Jesus' ministry kind of spread out through through several chapters. And then it seems like uh, Matthew just gets into a rush in a way uh, and really starts putting in a ton of stuff very quickly at the end of his uh, account. So for 25 chapters leading up to this, you have you know Jesus being born, Jesus performing and doing the impossible, healing, um, teaching, um, raising the dead, feeding the hungry, uh, and then of course promising the new kingdom, teaching uh, those uh, listening to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then these last three chapters, the world changes drastically. Jesus is betrayed, he's tried, he's crucified, he's buried, he's risen, and of course he appears multiple times to multiple different people. Uh, and then, of course, he is glorified, he ascends up to heaven, and, uh, of course, promises his return. And all of that happens in three chapters. Some really amazing and important things uh, in three simple chapters here. So, um, let's get into it. Matthew chapter 26, and we'll start in verse 1. When Jesus had finished these sayings... Oh, hang on one second... My view here is a little wonky. 
There we go. Got it. All right, so when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to, cru to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And that's why Matthew records it. There's a lot that can be learned from this woman that we find out in Mark is, is Mary. And the fact that she brought something worth a lot of money. Um, question has come up, and I've heard a, a wonderful sermon preached by Brother Dan Winkler about couldn't she have used cheaper perfume? Couldn't she have done this with something that was of lesser value and done exactly what the, uh, the the disciples said that she could have sold this more expensive ointment, maybe bought some cheaper ointment, and then donated the rest to, to uh, the poor. But instead, she takes something that would have likely cost a year's worth or more salary at that time to purchase. And she pours all of this ointment on his head. The application there, of course, is for us. Are we settling for cheaper oil? Are we settling for something that is not the best? When we worship God, when we study His Word, when we come to Him in prayer, when we praise His name, are we giving Him everything that we have? Are we giving Him our best? Are we giving Him our best in our life? When we share the Gospel with others, when we uh, are around other people, are we giving our best? to glorify God? Or are we just giving the bare minimum? Something to ponder on there. Now we get into uh, a long narrative. I think, again, I think this, this teaching here, of course, Jesus says that as so, so long as this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told in memory of her. This beautiful teaching, an important teaching, I think, for application, is kind of squeezed in to now Matthew's long narrative about the days leading up to Jesus' death. And so we start, of course, here in verse 14, looking more closely at Judas. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. 
Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was ending, he reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in this dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. I want you to notice something very interesting about this exchange here that Jesus does. Of course, Jesus knows that, that there's going to be one of his disciples that's going to betray him. Even I would even say he knew it was Judas. But listen to what the apostles were saying. They, said, they were very sorrowful, verse 22. They were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? And then when Judas asks, he says, Is it I, Rabbi? You see, it almost seems like there's a disconnect here with Judas. That the disciples understood that Jesus Christ was Lord, he was their master, and they were his servants. But Judas saw him just as a teacher, not as who he truly was. And I think when Jesus says, um, Woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it would have been better for him not to have been born. I think the application there is for those who hear Jesus, hear the words of Jesus, and read the Scriptures and still proclaim and say, he is not the Savior. He is not the Son of God. He is not my salvation. He cannot provide salvation. Those who disobey Him, it would have been better to not even have been born. Now as they were eating, remember they're eating the Passover, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, He broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So as they're having the meal, Jesus passes around some bread. So unleavened bread, that's what it would have been partaken of during the, the, uh, the Passover, and some um, wine, um, the cup. Um, this would have been, you know, very similar to grape juice that we drink today. Um, now, when he passes out, he says, take, eat, this is my body. Of course, it's not actually his physical body, but it is a representation of his body. It represents his body. There are some who believe that, that the, the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup, are actually Christ's body and, and blood. And I don't understand that or where they get it, other than it could, I think it's just a tradition of man that's been passed down. But it is a representation of of Christ's body and Christ's blood that was poured out, as he says, for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 30, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. 
But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And the disciples said the same. So Peter is kind of like the leader of the sheep, if you will. He's, uh, you know... He's the one that everybody else follows and kind of does what he does. And Jesus says that, uh, you know, he's not going to deny him. But, of course, we all know that uh, what's coming up in this chapter, he does just that. And the disciples, as Jesus said, um, scatter. Um, they, they flee, um, ultimately coming back together. Um, but as Jesus said, he will go before them to Galilee. And that's where basically where they are to meet him after his death and resurrection. Verse 36, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So I want to point something out important here, something that we talked about a little bit yesterday in our sermon. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, asks Three times, three times, just as Peter or Paul does later to have the thorn removed from his flesh. Jesus three times asks God for the mountain to be moved. He asks for the cup to pass, but he asks according to God's will. He says, "Not my will, but yours be done." If this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. But Jesus is asking for that mountain to move. But God doesn't move the mountain, the mountain called Calvary, because that mountain serves a purpose. And it was God's will that Jesus climb that mountain, be nailed to a tree, and die for the sins of the world. And while he was still speaking, while he was still speaking to his disciples, Judas came. So as he was saying, rise, let us be going, see my betrayer is at hand, it seems as though Judas in this crowd is approaching as Jesus says this. And Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand 
and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple, teaching, and you didn't seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false witness, false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? You notice that Jesus remains quiet when presented with false testimony and false witness and false things. And only when he is presented with the question whether or not he is the Son of God, and he is almost asked to swear an oath, almost, with the adjure by the living God, Jesus speaks up. Because that was the truth. And he stood by the truth, but he did not answer to the falseness, the false testimony, the false witness, the false teachings. And so too will it be at the end. Jesus will not answer to those who are false teachers. He will not, he'll not get an answer. For those who deny me before men, I will deny before my Father. And those who acknowledge me before men, so too will I acknowledge before my Father. Jesus' silence speaks volumes. Verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and said to, to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, 
Certainly you two are one of them, for your accent betrays you. He's got that Galilean accent. He's from up north. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. There were several things that Peter did wrong here, the most of which is denying Christ. But he lied. He swore an oath. Jesus previously in, uh, in uh, the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount said not to swear oaths. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then he invoked a curse on himself and swore. But when he realized his sin, when he realized what he had done, he wept bitterly. I can't tell you the number of times in which my sin has has been revealed or I've been seeking forgiveness and I have wept because of my sins. And I think God weeps as well when we sin. But He is joyous when we return. When we turn to Him, when we repent, and turn away from the life of sin, and instead turn our eyes to the cross, turn our eyes to Jesus for the redemption and the forgiveness that He provides. This is just one chapter of, of we have two more left here in Matthew, in which all the prophecy comes to fruition. All these things that Matthew has been laying out throughout the book, all the prophecies, all the all the things that he's been showing that Jesus is the promised Messiah. It's all going to come to a uh, to a head, if you will, on Calvary, Golgotha, on the cross. So we're going to look at chapter 27 tomorrow. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the video, if you have any questions about this or any other uh, part of the reading, uh, you can always ask in the comment section below. You can also reach out to us directly. At uh, in the mess in messages uh, here on Facebook, or you can email us at info at loveland.church. I hope this has been uh, uplifting and encouraging for your studies, and uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we look forward to uh, doing this again tomorrow. Be blessed. For a better one, bright and fair, Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown.